Let's pray together. Father, help us now as we continue to worship you. And now we worship you in looking at your word. We pray that you would direct our attention to your grace, mercy, and kindness. May we be impressed and we pray, Father, that we would, by your grace, allow these things that we see to be on display in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've all seen images of churchgoers, I'll use that term, picketing. Picketing. Many times the signs they hold are hateful and unkind. In these instances, I use this term loosely, Christianity, as they are displaying it, is known for what they are against. The types of hateful things that they write, I've seen them, I found numerous instances. God hates fill in the blank. God hates fill in the blank. And, and the, the recipients of that hatred in, their, in these signs is their people. God hates people is essentially what they're saying. Now, rather than getting into a, a theological discussion on God and hatred and God and love, I don't think that's what our time together is mostly about. I will just say this. When you see... God judging people, it's for things like homosexuality, heterosexuality, stealing, killing, coveting, lying, massaging the truth, being unkind to other people. It's like everyone's got the same problem, right? Like if 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 God's hatred is manifest in his judgment, then we really all have a serious problem. Because God judges all sin, not just someone's pet sin at the moment as they pick at some particular thing. Interestingly, as we read our Bibles, we notice rather that God demonstrates his love towards sinners. God spoke through the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. And in doing so, he reminded the Corinthians of their past sin. He listed a whole bunch of things that were true about them, all kinds of sinfulness. And he concluded that subsection with this statement in 1 Corinthians 6.11. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul, led by the Spirit, is letting them know, reminding us, informing, loosely so, Christianity, that God, while He judges sin, judged His sin most clearly in an act of love toward us, judging the Lord Jesus Christ as if He were guilty of all of the sinfulness that we ever committed. True Christianity should be known by who and what we are for. 
people should see the very character of God on display from God's people. God, His design was to display His kindness and goodness through us that the world about us would see an animated, clear, visible picture of who God is. Which is why Jesus told His disciples on the night He was betrayed in John 13, 34 and following, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my... What does it say? What is a disciple? It's a follower. By this, all men will know you are my followers. How? If you have love for one another. Why will someone know that we're Jesus' followers if we love one another? Because Jesus is, in fact, one who loves. We display His character. This morning, we want to see either one or two aspects of God's character, depending on how long it takes. Either one or two aspects of God's character and how they ought to be displayed among us. We're in Galatians chapter 5. Look, please, at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, before our attention this morning is, first of all, kindness and potentially goodness, depending on how quickly we move. First of all, God's kindness produces forgiveness. God's kindness produces forgiveness. I want to talk about kindness for a few moments. Take a look, please, at Matthew 25. The word in Galatians has the idea of doing and being kind. Kindness. Kind acts, but more specifically, a kindness of character. Kindness can be considered by its acts. And that will be our first part of our discussion here. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So Jesus takes this concept and he, gives, he speaks a parable. And, and rather than getting into all of the nitty-gritty of it, what is the big idea? He's saying... The acts of kindness are meeting people where they have need. Meeting people where they have need. Hungry. Oh, 
Sorry about that. Thirsty. Ooh. Boy, you should probably get yourself a drink. Naked. Ah, please get some clothes on. I don't want to see that. Uh, desperate and, 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 and alone. Oh, man, I wish someone would visit you. This is not the kindness of Christianity. Christianity, to be demonstrating that we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, act out the character of God, which in this particular instance is kindness. Kindness is helping someone who's elderly, who cannot care for their own needs. They can't mow their own lawn. They can't deal with the the, the paint peeling off of their house. They, they can't even maybe go out to the store to gather groceries. Dealing with kindness is, is helping those who are sick. When, when, they, when they're in desperate need, they're, they're physically unable to do something, and, and, and a kind, the kindness of God comes forth and supplies something. Uh, kindness is helping, helping a neighbor. Folks, it's so easy to get caught up in your day-to-day life. It's easy. You, you, you go to work. Most of us, we go to work, and we're busy. We get home from work, and we have a number of things to do around the house. Saturday rolls around. There's, there are uh, 1,800 chores that need to be done, and so we get going on it. Our neighbors are going through the same thing. What happens to us is we can get tunnel vision dealing with our to-do list. I've got to get these things done that we're ignoring all the people around us. What about your neighbor? You might ask, well, who is my neighbor? Well, aren't you glad you asked? Jesus answered that question. You know how Jesus answered the question about who your neighbor is? He gave the story about the Good Samaritan. You remember that one you got the priest and the Levite going by, this guy that had been uh, mugged and, and beaten, lying in a ditch. And, and the, these very spiritual God people decided, I don't want anything to do with that dirt bag. He'll soil me. They walk around him, get as far away as possible, keep on moving. I didn't notice. You didn't see that. I didn't see that, right? And then you've got the Samaritan one, one who would be despised, one who's an outcast from the Jews, coming along, seeing this guy in a ditch, and says, oh man, alive, what's going on here? So he lifts him up out of the ditch, and he, and he treats his wounds and brings him to an inn, and, and he cares for him, so much so that he says to the innkeeper, hey, whatever this guy needs, put it on my tab, I will square it away. Who's my neighbor? Who's the neighbor, folks? Whoever's in your line of sight. Whoever you might be passing by. It can be difficult in this day and age, can't it? It can be difficult. You, you know, I've got five kids and, and a wife, and we're driving down the street, and you see someone on the side of the road. My, insta- my inclination is, oh, what, what can I do? And you think, mm, I've got five kids in my car. I've got a wife in that car. I've got to take care of my family. What if the guy's got a gun? You know, the, things, the, the ploys that you've, you've heard about. So it's, it is difficult. It's difficult. Um, and I can't play the Holy Spirit for you. Uh, I am not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within me, and when I am uh, submissive, He is filling me and, and controlling me and, and, and empowering me. I can't answer on a particular instance whether every time you see someone on the side of the road, you should deal with that. But I can tell you, rather than getting into to, to that scenario, I can tell you there are plenty of opportunities that come your way that are far less questionable. You see your neighbor out scraping his house. Maybe he's able-bodied. Maybe he's fine. How about showing some kindness? 
Say, hey, you have any extra scrapers? I'll come over and help you out. How do you want it done? You have, you have a, uh, one of those wire brushes? I can help do that too. What, whatever needs to be done. You power washing your fence? Hey, I'll, I'll help out. What do you need? What is the reason we would do that? Well, it's not a selfish motivation. It's not so our neighbor can think well of us. We want to demonstrate to a world around us that we're not all about us. What are some ways that we demonstrate kindness? Well, we, we have a food pantry here, and, and we want to, to show our community, hey, we're here. We're not here to take from you. We're here to give to you in a way that might meet your physical need, but far more important, we have something else in addition to meeting the bread for your day, and we can give you something that will be bread for eternity. So there's, there's all these things. If you think about James, and James tells us what pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To do what? To visit the what? The fatherless and the widows. He goes on and talks about being keeping yourself spotless or not spotted from the world. But visiting the fatherless and the widows. Those that need care. Those that need attention. That's kindness, folks. Now, while kindness can be seen in individual acts, I'd say that's just the, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the thing you can see. That's the thing that's evidenced. Kindness is more than just acts. It is a way of life. It is a, it is a manner that you have toward others. And, and the way that I'd like for you to consider this is I want you to think with me about a couple of illustrations about the Lord Jesus. Jesus, he blows our minds in so many ways. But if you read through the Gospels and just observe his actions toward those who are humble nearby, it will impress you toward the kind of kindness that the Spirit produces in our lives when we walk in the power of the Spirit. Let me just remind you of a few things. Remember, Jesus was walking, and Jairus, one of the leaders of the synagogue, came up to him. My, my daughter is sick. What's Jesus immediately doing? Well, he starts heading toward Jairus' house, and he's going to deal with Jairus. Now, you, you know what happens there. Before Jesus gets there, Jairus' daughter dies Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the grave, or from, from de the dead. But on the way there, there's a crowd. This is what Jesus drew. He drew crowds all the time. There's a crowd. And this lady who'd been sick, she had an issue of blood. She had a, bl a blood disease or a blood disorder. She's crawling through the crowd and just grabs his cloak, his, his, his garment. And Jesus, listen, you, you and I, you're in a, in a crowd, and you, someone touches you. I, I don't know about you. When someone touches me when I'm in a crowd, my first inclination is not to say, hey, how are you? My inclination is to say, get your hands off of me. I don't want you touching me. You, you don't have any right putting your hands on me. I remember I've told you this story before. We were going through Haymarket Square, and I was already on edge because some some strawberry vendor had sworn at my wife and I wanted to just break his face. I'm thankful that I didn't. But we're walking through Haymarket Square and there's just a crush of the crowd. It, it was, it was ugh, I just don't like it. We're walking through and this guy tries to get between my wife and I. Oh, that's not going to work. 
So I got myself in a position to, to, to not allow that to happen, so we kind of plowed through that situation. It was probably not the kindest way to deal with it. When, when, when we're in a, in a crowd, stressful situation, most of us, we're not liking it. When people touch, you don't want them to, get away, give me my space, I'm going to protect my little family, no one's getting in between my wife and I, this is us. Here's Jesus dealing with the crush of the crowd. Someone grabs his garment and he, and he felt power leave him, is what the Bible text says. And he turns and he tells her, that she's been made well in the midst of, of already a stressful situation. This is the kindness that, that pours forth from the Lord Jesus. She's made, you're made well. Go, go. You're made well. Your, your faith has made you well. Then a man with leprosy comes to Jesus. No, the lepers, people aren't very happy with those with leprosy. The Old Testament doesn't really give the people with leprosy a whole lot of room, right? Because God wanted to keep that the, the contagious disease um, from, from contaminating the whole people. So they, they had their own little place, and before they could come back into community, what they had to do was go and show themselves to the priest to make sure that the priest said, okay, your leprosy is cured, you're good, you can come back and join the rest of us. This man comes to Jesus and says, you can make me clean if you just will. If you just want to, you can make me clean. Jesus could have said, you're good to go. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus touches this guy. Jesus touches a leper, a leprous man, and he says, I will be clean. This, the, the kindness of our Savior just should astound us. It, it should impress us. Peter, Peter, faithful disciple of Jesus, one of the inner circle, so many good things to say about Peter, Peter sometimes maybe preemptively spoke. We know about this. And Jesus tells Peter and his disciples that he is going to be betrayed. He is going to be crucified. That He's going to have some problems. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. No, I won't let that happen. I will stand up for you. Don't you worry about a thing. I got this covered. Really, you, you, got, uh, you got Jesus covered. Good thing. Good thing you needed your help so badly. Um, but this it's fine. G, he, Peter's passionate, okay? We, we credit him. And, and then Jesus tells Peter, um, before the cock throw, crows, you know, you, twice you'll deny me thrice. I love the word thrice. Three times. Now, you remember when, when Peter actually did deny the Lord Jesus that third time, according to the book of Luke, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. What kind of a look do you think it was? I told you. I told you you were going to do that. No. That, if that's the Jesus you know, you, don't, you haven't read this one. <sighs> you, you weak and frail sinner. I can't believe you did that to me. If that's the Jesus you know, you haven't been reading this. Jesus looks, and like he has toward us, Jesus looked upon him, with sympathy and compassion. And Peter's response was to go out and weep bitterly. I wonder if there was a condemning look. I wonder what Peter's response would have been like. How, how do you like condemnation looks? Kind of makes the hair on the back of your neck stand, stand up, right? And, you, and you're ready to, ready to fight? No, Jesus looked upon him. It doesn't say how he looked, but I'm just, just from the character of Jesus... 
there was a kindness in the Lord Jesus' eye. There was a, a compassion and a passion in Jesus' eye, and it made a huge difference in Peter's life. Jesus interacted with those who were humble in this kind manner. It doesn't mean he didn't have any other manners in which he acted. There were times he had righteous indignation in the temple and other times he encountered the Pharisees. But Jesus was a lover and is a lover of sinners like me. Displaying God's kindness does not come naturally. Oh, we can be kind from here now and again in this instance or that instance. The kind of kindness that the fruit of the Spirit is talking about and that Jesus exhibited and that God constantly exhibits is supernatural. Let's take a look, please, at a number of passages. Romans chapter 2. I can tell you right now we're not getting to goodness this morning. And you said, thank goodness. Uh, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Well, let's have fun and read from verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Well, that's an interesting place, because we all know that we fall, and so we know that we're not the one that, are, that should cast the first stone, right? Jesus said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. We, we know we're not going to be that one, because we know we're not without sin. Verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. The kindness that God shows to people like me. The design of that is that my heart would turn from me and my way to him and his way. Take a look at, uh, I, have, I have Ephesians 2 on the screen for you. Ephesians 2, 7, right in the midst of that great passage that we've been taken from death to life by God's gracious gift. In verse 7 it says, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now you know in Colossians 3 and verse 12, we're not going to turn there, but you know what's going on is, is he's telling us that we have been raised with Christ. Those that, of us that know Jesus as our Savior, we've been raised with Christ. He says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when, you're, uh, when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you'll also appear with him in glory. Then he says in verse 5, put to death your former ways. Put to death your former passions. He says it in a number of ways through those verses. And then in verse 10, he says, you've been made alive. You've put on the new man. And then in verse 12, he says that you are God's elect, you're chosen, and you are loved. He says, as God's chosen and elect and loved people, put on, he lists a number of things. One of those elements he tells us to put on is kindness. 
And I think a logical question for us is, why are we told in Colossians 3.12 to put on kindness? Like, shouldn't we just be kind? Couldn't he just say, be kind? And he does say that elsewhere. Be kind one to another. We're going to talk about that in a second. But couldn't he just say, be kind and call it a day? But that's not what he does. He says, put on or clothe yourselves in kindness. The reason that he would tell us such a thing is that kindness is not our own resource. It's not like, okay, I, I, have, I have grown in such a way that I've become the kind person that God intended me to be. We, are, we can do kind things. There are lots of people that do kind things. There are people that, that, that go on long trips into other countries and meet people's medical needs. Because they are benevolent people, or they want to be benevolent. They're like doing these peace uh, travelings and, and medical missions. I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about just people. They, and they give of themselves. That's, those are kind things. And we don't want to discount that. Just because someone does something that's kind does not equal God's kindness. There is a, a great distinction between doing something that's nice and kind and the kindness of God. God's kindness is through and through untainted. It is unmarred by any selfish ambition. It is all pure. Take a look at Ephesians 4 for a second. Ephesians 4. One of the ways, and I think a very, a very important way that we demonstrate kindness is how Ephesians 4 speaks of it. Again, there's a, dis- a distinction between acts of kindness and true kindness. Acts of kindness are points in time, little elements that we can see here and there that maybe dot our experience. When we talk about the kindness of God, we're talking about something that brings forth, issues forth in forgiveness. In Ephesians 4 and verse 32, listen to what it says. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, previous to this, he tells us not to grieve the Spirit. After this, in chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, be imitators of God. And then in verse 2 of chapter 5, walk in love like Jesus did and was a fragrant offering to God. When he talks about this kindness in Ephesians 4.32, he's talking about something that comes forth through us, but its source is not us. Its source is God himself, which is why he tells us before this, do not grieve the Spirit. If you grieve the Spirit, you have no chance at what's going on in verse 32. The kindness that issues forth in forgiveness. Ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness is a subject that's easy to talk about, but it is not easy to live in, which is why we've been given such great instructions that it is a a result of God's working in us. The kindness of God issues forth in forgiveness. I want for us to look at one last text this morning. Luke chapter 6. 
As I was looking at Luke chapter 6 this week, I've read it numerous times, and I, I was... I was impressed. I was impressed with its vital need, with our vital need for this text. From it comes what we have come to call the golden rule. The Lord Jesus is instructing those about him. And he says, beginning in verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who. What's that say? Who hate you? Jesus is so wise in his teaching, he goes on to further explain this. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Listen carefully. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount or more. But... Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Listen carefully. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. That is, verse 35 I might, I might commend that as a memory verse if you have not memorized it. That serves as a good meditation before we leave our house, houses, before we come back into our house, when we wake up in the morning and before we go to bed at night. He tells us that we are to love those that don't love us Do good to those who abuse us. Lend to those who might not pay us back. He tells us, all of this will reveal that you are children of the true God. The true God expresses love to the ungrateful and to those that are evil. Who is God kind toward? Come on, class. How do you know? Right there. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Now, folks, if you have no rain, you ain't got no water, you ain't got no food, you're, in, you're a goner without the rain. It's called common grace. God is good to all, the psalmist says. He is good to all. Where's that? What, what is this about? God is kind And his kindness is seen most clearly in what we're about to celebrate. That Jesus, the eternal Son of God, co-equal, co-eternal with God, gave up the glories of heaven and the free exercise of his divine nature 
took upon him the form of a servant, humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even a cross death, a crucifixion death, a humiliating death, a death that was was reserved for the worst of the worst. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we see God giving Himself as a payment for my sin. That sacrifice is a propitiatory, a wrath-canceling sacrifice or a wrath-withholding sacrifice. The Bible says for the world. Right now, there are Billions of people that don't know Jesus as their Savior. And Jesus' death on the cross is a way in which God holds back His holy wrath until that day when they breathe their last breath. And on that day when they breathe their last breath in rebellion against God and in rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what was holding back that wrath then is, is unloosed. Okay, Jesus' propitiatory work, his holding back the wrath, lasts for just so long unless a person has trusted Christ. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll never experience the wrath of God. If you don't know Christ as your, as your Savior, God has held back his wrath. But there's a, a point coming in which you'll experience that because God doesn't charge twice. He doesn't charge twice, so Jesus' death held off that judgment. But then, then if, if you have rejected him, you will spend an eternity dealing with that challenge. But now kindness, right? Now kindness. This world does not know that they stand in the kind favor of God. And Christians, I use that term loosely, Churchgoers that go around with picket signs and talk about how God hates them while they're experiencing God's kindness today are sending the wrong message. What is the message we ought to bring to them? God has demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And they need to see feet and hands to that claim. So we don't just give you a a little gospel message and go about our way. We demonstrate the kindness in time that God has demonstrated that will last eternity. We have a great God, and our celebration this morning of God's kindness in Christ is at the forefront of our mind.